0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here we go. Here
1: we go.
2: Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is it.
3: This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. How are you, Sam? How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing all right. Another week ahead. Well, people, cunters will be listening to this on Tuesday, so yeah. they'll already know how the week's unfolding. Uh, yeah. For me and you, sitting here on a Monday morning, yeah. we've got no fucking idea. And that, really, mate, is the essence of the human condition, all the anxiety that we feel every day, you know, what it 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 comes down to is you just don't know what's going to happen and that can be scary, but what I would say is, ultimately, although it's a footballing cliche, but sometimes the football managers know better than any of us, it is a case of taking each game as it comes. You can't speculate.
3: And after all, this is a football podcast. Let's not forget that. So let's try... um, (laughs) Let's
2: (laughs) Let's to <laughs> try to confront the malaise, the existentialism that confronts all of us every day and makes life a struggle at times. Let's try to get through that using only lessons learned from football. And it is yeah. true that when you're going for the title, you've just got to take each day as it comes.
3: Is, is that what we're doing, you feel? We're going for the title
2: we're going in for a for podcast fucking, sense? In life. In life. I'm trying to win the oh, Premier like League of life, and you are too.
3: I I think I'm in keeping with my team, Sunderland. I'm just trying to get out of League One of life. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not interested in winning the Premier you know League. Sam.
2: If it is like our clubs, then West Ham this season, we can finish anywhere between seventh and twelfth, most likely. Seventh mm-hmm. feels like dreamland, and I'm quite happy with that. I mean, that's another thing that we should all learn: is that it's okay to just be like fair to middling and that's what I'm learning from my stand this season.
3: This this is what I always say. You know people always seem to strive for happiness and, mm. and they crave happiness. Mm. Fuck happiness. Tell yeah. you what you want contentment. Correct. It's a level below happiness but it's all right. If you can see you content with your lot. Yeah. You don't have to be happy, just be no. content.
2: Yeah, but I would say that I'd be happy to be content, so then we get get a little bit muddled Uh, up in it all. That's the only problem. I suppose so. Either way, the point is, everyone, you know what Tuesday's like. We don't, but we're not thinking about it right now. All we're (coughs) thinking is dealing with the cards that have been dealt in front of us, and the cards that have been dealt to me and Andy Dawson this morning is do a podcast in which we read out... (laughs) All the fucking shit that the campers have sent us to our <laughs> the, Gmail account. Well,
3: not all the shit. The best of the shit. Yeah, the best the, of the shit. Because some of, of it, the shit. Oh. One dear, yeah. we should do one where we read out the worst of the, <laughs> the shit. The worst but, of. But but we just read them all like really solemnly, like we're nineteen yeah. fifties BBC newsreaders.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we play the the faint, the distant echo of the national anthem plays the, in the background,
3: or, or a funeral march.
2: Talking the national anthem. <laughs> Yesterday we were, as I as I covered on on the on the yesterday's podcast, we'd been watching Millwall Brighton, and it when it went to it was so exciting, wasn't it? And when it got to sudden death, for <laughs>
3: some of us, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was it was exciting either way. I mean, the fact no, that was, they were was, they came good. back from two nil down, and then they came back in a penalty shootout yeah. that they were trailing like throughout because fucking silly Glenn Murray missed his first pen, and then they came back anyway. We anyway. We're talking about sudden death and how long it can go on for. Yeah, and I told my family that <laughs> it was a little known bylaw that if the sudden death went <laughs> twice round, right? So I, all of the team, including the keeper, took it, and it still carried on. And they went round again. After yeah. that, the queen decides who wins, <laughs> and that is actually enshrined. In the constitution of the Football Association. <clears throat> Activate the Queen. Yeah, and the Queen had been put on standby. When it went to, <laughs> when it went to sudden death, one of her aides knocked on her yeah. door and she's always sat behind an enormous, ornate desk yes. studying papers. Queening. Queening. Enter. <laughs> Mom, I have been asked to inform you that the Football Association Cup tie between Millwall and Brighton Hove Albion, has entered sudden death. You therefore must be put on standby.
1: Very well. Switch <laughs> it on. What's it on, <laughs> BT
3: Sports or BBC?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's on the BBC, ma'am.
3: Good. Who's who's the commentator? It's Jonathan <laughs> Pearce. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> what happened to Motti?
2: Motti <laughs> has semi-retired, although you can still hear him on talk sport some days.
1: Well, that's no fucking good to me. (laughs) Well, switch it on.
2: Your helicopter is ready, ma'am, should the penalty shootout go through (laughs) two rounds of unresolved sudden death.
3: Oh, she has to go and announce it there, does she?
2: They helicopter her in. Fucking hell. This time it wouldn't be too bad because she's only going to get from Buckingham Palace down to the New Den, which by helicopter is is like a two-minute journey. Yeah. And she'd land on the pitch... Then her guard, like a load of trumpeters, would get out and form a guard of honour. They'd play the national anthem. She would uh, disembark the royal helicopter, which is called Helicopter One, and of course, and uh, she walks out. And they put a microphone in front of her, and she delivers a a speech that's been written for her by an aide, in which she explains. it's, It's very much like the Christmas Day speech. Yeah, she sort of. But what she does is rather than review the year she reviews that round of the cup
3: she goes yeah.
1: it's been a topsy-turvy quarterfinal as the final eight teams involved in the Football Association Cup battle for a place at Wembley for the semi-finals there's already been several upsets not least Wolverhampton Wanderers knocking out Manchester United a lackluster Manchester United <laughs> 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 which
3: yeah. has caused us to think that perhaps the honeymoon period is over now for to <laughs> Soska yeah. here
1: it is not it is not something that it is not a place I wanted to find myself at or a situation <laughs> any of us wanted to find ourselves in and yet here we are on a Sunday in March at the New Den in what some people refer to as bandit country <laughs> South London <laughs> It's not often I find myself south of the river, especially not on a Sunday. (laughs) However, it is my duty and a privilege to resolve this particular FA Cup stalemate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Then she opens an envelope. Fuck knows why she's put it in an envelope, because she was the one who fucking wrote it. But it lends it some sort of ceremony and 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 drama. Yeah. And the winner is... Brighton and who (laughs) Albion. then all the fucking Millwall just jump on the pitch and start going mad
1: (laughs) they just have
2: to some aides come in you know CIA agents and they in dark suits they usher her back on helicopter and she just elevates out of the new den before they all just start fucking trying to tear a limb from limb and eat her which would be an awful thing but it's the sort of shit that would happen at Millwall
3: and and keen-eyed viewers knew the Brighton were going to win because they saw us t- take two very gentle steps back towards the helicopter before she announced <laughs> yeah, it.
2: Yeah. in readiness. Goes,
3: the winner is...
2: Step back, step back.
1: Brighton, bright!
2: Jumps Brighton! in the helicopter. It!
1: <laughs> get it fucking going, fuck's sake!
2: It's like the last chopper out of Saigon. Yeah.
1: Fucking get it going! Why did you have you sign already, <laughs> you daft cunt?
2: <laughs> Apologies, mom, For pollution reasons... Uh, we are instructed to have the engine off when stationed. It's a new initiative by the mayor, Sadiq.
1: <clears throat> fuck off about Sadiq, come fuck him! <laughs> not the fucking, fucking pollution. There's a few more fucking pressing threats right now!
2: He's <laughs> yeah, fucking Wister away and let the fucking.
3: <laughs> let Millwall all those
2: Millwall fucking shit tr- get.
3: Fire flares at the helicopter. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Get her,
3: she's getting away!
1: (laughs) Abolish the monarchy! (laughs) Fire at the Millwall chopper! Former republic at once!
2: (laughs) They've got a really shit fucking Millwall helicopter that they built from a scrapyard. It looks like something from Wacky Races. (laughs) It's got flapping (laughs) wings on it and shit like that. (laughs) They're trying like (coughs) (coughs) coughing and spluttering, trying to get off the ground and chase the queen. Like Dick Dastardly's playing in stop exactly. the pigeon. <laughs> a lot of them are like Matley as well.
3: Oh, did you see? Did you see the remake of Wacky Races that Cartoon Network did last year? No, you possibly wouldn't have done. It was quite low key. Absolute fucking dog shit. Really? The, the it the the they the changed all the animation. The characters were were just fucking awful. They changed half of the characters, and no. the races didn't even have a conclusion. In each episode, you didn't find out who won the race at that's the end. That's the
2: whole fucking point of sticking it to the end. it's
3: called wacky races, isn't it? It's a fucking race. A fucking you want to find race. out who won. Absolute they wouldn't do Formula One. Shit.
2: They wouldn't go, here we are, live from the Hungarian Grand Prix, and then you just fucking watch them ride, drive around in circles, and it's still going on, and then Inverdale, or whoever fucking presents it these days, just goes, anyway, that's enough for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See you next time on Formula One. And then he, like, winks and points to the camera. And the well, cars are the, still racing in the background.
3: Well, they need to get involved in some kind of caper before before it ends. Because there, there was some kind of caper. But the, the caper, the denouement of the caper was the fucking end of the episode. They didn't, He didn't find out who won the race, which was the whole point of it.
2: Yeah, because sometimes the caper is won, usually by Penelope Pitstop. And then... Uh, And then who wins is someone separate who maybe wasn't even involved in the caper that week.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Like, Captain Caveman was in it sometimes, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, and a nick it right at the end or something like that.
2: And the the fucking anthill mob. Yeah. Did the anthill mob work for Dick Dastardly ever, like, in a freelance capacity?
3: No, I think they were separate. They might have collaborated once or twice. Within an episode of Wacky Races, they probably did in order to, you know, complete the caper. Do you know what? Um,
2: I'm really uncomfortable with the whole fucking, the element of <laughs> Dick Dastardly trying to catch a Penelope Pitstop. I yeah. don't, I think that's might have been why they had to reboot it for a millennial audience. Well, they they Because they, that's, that is pro- that's problematic, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it? It is, but the clues in the name, though, are Dastardly, you know you know what you're going to get him, for it. Yeah, but
2: what, what we don't know is what their agenda is, ultimately. But I can right. take a fucking good guess at it. He's got this fucking dog. <laughs> Him and the dog are fucking chasing this, uh, like, quite beautiful, slightly dim-witted and very Incredibly vul-
3: beautiful, I would say. Uh,
2: yeah, like, bang fucking fit. <sighs> and they're chasing her around. She's very vulnerable. She's out yeah. in the middle of nowhere, engaged in a wacky race, which she shouldn't have fucking been allowed to take part in, in my opinion. Not because well, she's, she's a woman. A w- not because she's a woman. Right. But whoever her... Whoever the uh, support network is, right? Whether that's her parents or I don't know. I don't that's I think she's That's quite she sexist. Single. You're, you're assuming sexist.
3: that she's... It is. You're assuming she's got a support network. She might be a self-made woman. She shouldn't have been out on the road like that. Oh, so women shouldn't be allowed
2: to go out by themselves. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying her specifically, not all women. But she was fucking dozy. She was an idiot. <laughs> and that's nothing to do with her gender. Right, there were other idiots as well involved in those mm. fucking races. And the whole thing was a health and safety nightmare. But I think that she just shouldn't... I don't know why she was doing it. But anyway, the fact is he's fucking dastardly in his Classic dog. Classic
3: fucking white man protective
2: <laughs> Gammon.
3: fucking bullshit. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right, well, fucking hell. Good luck to her then. What is fuck it? fuck what, her. What's it Let called? her go out and be chased down.
3: White saviour,
2: white white saviour phenomenon. That's what I've got. Yeah. Anyway, I've just had a look. Here's
3: here's all the rest of the uh, the competitors. The Slag Brothers. (laughs) No way. Rock rock and Gravel in their caveman themed racer called the Baldemobile. Yeah. Then you've got the gruesome Twosome, Big Gruesome and Little Gruesome, who were monsters in the creepy coop here. Uh, Professor Pat Pending, Brainiac, of course, the inventor in the converter car you got Red Max in a car plane hybrid called the Crimson Hairbiller. I remember nothing of Red Max. No. And it says, uh, Penelope Pitstop, Wikipedia describes her as the lone female in a 1930s racing costume.
2: Oh, 1930s <laughs> racing costume. She, she drives the,
3: the compact pussycat. You've got, uh, these are in numerical order as well, by the way. You've got Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly. I remember them two in the armoured half-track called the Army Surplus Special, The Ant Hill Mob, Seven Dwarf Gangsters in the Bulletproof Bomb, Lazy (laughs) Luke, the Hillbilly, and Blubber Bear in the Arkansas Bug, Peter Perfect, a gentlemanly racer in the Turbo Terrific. Remember Peter Perfect? I think there's there's some kind of sexual tension there between Peter Perfect and Penelope Pitstop. One's chasing the other, do you think?
2: Maybe she's there to catch his eye, but the problem oh, again, is... again,
3: with the generalisation,
2: Sam. The problem is, is yeah, she's that... She's after
3: his money, is she? Is that what it is?
2: She needs a man. She doesn't Fucking feel... hell. She doesn't feel like she can navigate her way through life. These are different times, mate. It's not her fault, it was society's fault. It was a very deeply patriarchal society, and she would have been raised in an environment that told her, day in, day out, she's not yeah. good enough, she's not strong enough, and she cannot survive in this world without a man like Peter Perfect.
3: Yeah, I guess And that you're is right.
2: society. So I blame magazines, right? I blame yeah. adverts, um, and I blame, like, the church, the politicians, everyone. Mostly she's the, the only church. person I don't blame. She's the victim.
3: She's uh, If anything, she's doing something to, to, to strike a blow for women's rights.
2: She's gone out there in her 1930s racing costume and thought, oh. fuck it. I'll prove something. I'll drive across this fucking desert with with these monsters, (laughs) these these monsters, these (laughs) cavemen, dwarfs, these these dwarf gangsters, these hillbillies. I don't. This fucking mad inventor, this bloke (laughs) who hangs around with a dog. I don't fucking care. I'm fucking going. I'm fucking going in my fucking car. I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna fucking win it, and all. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and then finally, for completion, Rufus Roughcut, a lumberjack and his companion sawtooth a beaver who drove the buzzwagon. But then, of course, there was uh, the Mean Machine with Dick Dastardly and Muttley. Mm. Um <laughs> As it says here on uh, Wikipedia, Dastardly never sees victory. Good. Never, ever won.
2: He often gets close and then right on the line something happens, like the engine falls out of his car or something.
3: Yeah. And the Very- remake... Yeah, I'll quickly talk about the remake. Dick Dastardly's in it. Muttley's in it. Penelope Pitstop and Peter Perfect are in it, and the gruesome twosome. All the other problematic ones have been removed. What, like and the ant hill mob? Yeah, dwarfs.
2: What? So we're denying the existence of dwarfs now?
3: Because ah, they're or bad, we're saying that Dwarfs, dwarfs
2: can't be gangsters because they're not exactly, tough enough. Yeah,
3: it's it's bad. It's bad publicity for the dwarf community. <laughs> uh, <laughs> new characters include IQ Ickley, fuck knows. Brick Crashman, for PT Barnstorm. And yeah. Pandora pit stop.
2: Whoa! Whoa!
3: Penelope's twin right. sister. Now you, now Penelope's got my twin interest. sister. Sub.
2: She's got a fucking twin sister called yeah. Pandora.
1: <gasps> Do you know what?
2: At my at when I, where I went to sixth form college, there was two sisters called um, Penny and Pandora. Really? Uh, and they were both. That's the both same fit. names then. No. Is Pe- yeah, yeah, shot. Penny? Yeah, Penny. Sure, Penny. Yeah, hell. Yeah. Yeah this is so weird. Maybe it's them. And <laughs> do you know what? The one called Penny did look exactly like Penelope Pitstop. So let's see. Were they humans Pandora- or cartoons? Well, it was hard to tell. I mean, they look like they um, they look like sexy cartoons, right? That's what they look like. Just looking her up now. Oh, she's like the baddie of the pit stops, isn't she, Pandora?
3: He is yeah. here's the he is, he is the uh the synopsis of the first episode of the remake. The racers participate in the wacky winter games. The games culminate in a final competition where Dastardly and Mutley do a very disturbing ice skating dance.
2: <laughs>
3: Fuck off. Just do a mm, race.
2: Very disturbing.
3: Yeah, I bet it's not as disturbing as we can imagine. I'm fucking gonna watch that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's not. It's really not.
2: Oh, okay. Well, Hang
3: on, <laughs> episode 16, with the help of a very unusual spiritual advisor, the racers find themselves racing through their collective unconscious dream world. No. And, encountering their fondest fantasies, or in the case of Dastardly, a deeply screwed up mess of a psyche. i watch that one, that sounds good. <laughs> cool.
2: Yeah, I'm fucking watching this. Mate, this actually sounds brilliant.
3: Episode 21, the racers are turned into babies, and Dastardly is stuck as their babysitter. <laughs> oh, just do races for fuck's sake. Yeah. Are you looking something up there?
2: I'm looking for, yeah, I'm looking These for some women. things. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen all that. I have. I can't remember the names of those girls who I went to college with. Uh, the surname. Right. the surname. So it, it's impossible for me to stalk them. But yeah. I'll do That's some frustrating, digging. frustrating,
3: isn't it? Very yeah. frustrating. I'll
2: Don't do mind. some digging. There's an, there's enough people I know from those days who will be able to give me some intel. Should once I need a, it?
3: Once a digger, always a digger, Sam. Should I
2: need to find out if they're... Uh, they're now racing car drivers in a cartoon. Should we do some bullshits?
3: Yeah. First of all, would you be interested in hearing a story about someone who uh, it involves wanking and magnets? Oh
2: yeah. Because <laughs> we did put we did sounds put it a bit. A bit of, sounds a bit like the sort of thing results, but yeah, would go, get involved get in.
3: I've been kind of going back through the the emails from like a month ago because we we had a backlog. And yeah. uh, it seemed that we put out some kind of shout out for wanking about six weeks ago. So there's one or two <laughs> decent ones. This is um, Morgan Dennis. Mm. At school, a mate told us, told a group of us that he'd invented a brilliant new wanking method using magnets. He said that he got a couple of those small magnets that are about the size of a watch battery and slipped them under his foreskin, then used right. an, a bigger one in his hand to yeah. manipulate the others. And it felt like somebody else was wanking him off. <laughs> <laughs> so far so plausible scientifically Uh, Morgan says Uh. (laughs) also (laughs) he says this sounded like a brilliant idea to me and when I got home I liberated a few from my mum's fridge magnets to give it a try I could feel the magnets moving around, but it didn't really have the power to provide a decent amount of movement. So I moved the magnet in my hand closer to see if it would, if it would up the manipulation strength a little. <laughs> Bad idea. The magnet slipped from my fingers and snapped tight against one of the others, painfully trapping my foreskin in between. So he's got magnets either side of his foreskin and they're trapped together by the power of magnets. Uh, I spent half an hour trying unsuccessfully to pry them apart but whenever I got one side up the pain of the other edge digging into the skin was too much to handle. In the end I went in tears and told my mum and she took me to A&E.
2: Oh mate. Oh the humiliation.
3: (laughs) Yeah. To cut a long story short I spent two hours waiting then got laughed at by every doctor and nurse I saw and ultimately they had to remove my foreskin. Oh. What? because Because the magnets wouldn't budge. Why is he telling us this? I don't know. It's probably closure, isn't it? Like we said, this is a, a therapeutic outlet for a lot of people, this podcast. Yeah, it is, they get it? things off their chest that they can't tell other people. Yeah. Sometimes they use their real name, Morgan Dennis. And so he says is, to,
2: did he get his full skin back? How would he get it back? You know, is, his, is his cock unsheathed forever? Yeah. It's You'd like cir-
3: w- circumcision, isn't it?
2: Probably. Yeah, but circumcision like, is he, just the top isn't it? It's like,
3: rolled back with circumcision, isn't it? would be like that, but not rolled back, just not there.
2: It's just not there at all, right to the base. I, I
3: don't know. So it I, would be it, naked. It, it do- if that was me, I
2: would have to wear a, a condom all the time because if not, right. it'd be too uncomfortable.
3: A velvet condom for <laughs> yeah, comfort.
2: I'd get one commissioned. I'd get one made <laughs> in in German Street, London, where all get the fan- yeah. where all the fancy gentlemen go to get their shirts made. <laughs> I'd <laughs> stride in to Turnbull and Assa of German Street and say, Gentlemen, I have a rather unusual request for you. Gather round and observe these blueprints that I prepared myself at home.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you could get one, you could get a velvet one with a non sexual condom, obviously, because it would be reusable.
2: Yeah, it would just I mean? be for comfort walking around. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's just for yeah. everyday use. It is not for sexual use, gentlemen. This is an everyday <laughs> condom.
2: Yeah, you just and, call uh, it a velvet p- penis encasement.
3: It would have some kind of nickname, wouldn't it? The velvet, um, I don't know.
2: The cockshaw. Cock and sock.
3: A- velvet cock sock.
2: And, uh, and there'd have to be a hole in the end of it so you could still do away without yeah. removing it every time.
3: Yeah, probably. There I don't go. know, maybe... Maybe remove it for a wee, I suppose, or keep it clean. We could... Dab dab the penis clean afterwards with a wet wipe or something.
2: Should we put this idea on Kickstarter?
3: (laughs) You know what, we will, and then someone will go, out. it's already been done. Yeah, probably. Some hipsters in Seattle have already done it.
2: Those fuckers. They're always nicking our ideas. One
3: step ahead of us every fucking time. So, yeah, there we are, Morgan Dennis. Uh, And he he said, headlined that, that email, I wanked my foreskin off. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you did more than that mate yeah you you fucking you you employed science and physics <laughs> and this was a, who's the father who's the father of physics Would Isaac Newton be? probably Isaac Newton do you think this is the sort yeah. of carry on that Isaac Newton had in mind when yeah. he was sat under that tree the fucking apple fell on his head and the first thing he said was wanking with magnets <laughs> <laughs> that's what we could of course. Call.
3: Eureka But we could call the the velvet condom we could call it Newton's Blues On (laughs) as a tribute to the man who inspired it
2: it was that moment that I realised that I had been wanking inefficiently my entire life (laughs) it always
3: always felt as though it was me doing it I wanted more I reached for the magnets
2: All I needed to do was harness the gentle power of magnetic force.
3: All I needed to do was summon the gods of magnetic force.
2: Aid me by
3: quest for hands-free, feeling-free wanking.
2: (laughs) To pleasure oneself without contact between thine own flesh, that of the hand and that of the penis. (laughs) (laughs) As if by magic, you can be pleasured using only the simple principles of physics, (laughs) as laid out in my writings. (laughs) Well done, Isaac Newton, known widely as the father of modern wanking.
0: Jalapeño. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
3: Jalapeño. What have you got? Have you got any others there?
2: Yeah, I've got a few here. Um, They're not all bullshits. Uh, Here's one, though. Just
3: Whatever. Two-part
2: bullshit. Bloke used to come in the pub I worked for. Claimed he was a man. he had Man United season tickets. When he asked why he was always in the pub and Man United were at home, he said he gave them to Chinese businessmen who he was working with. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of this bullshit. Actually, let me find out who this is from. Uh, 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 no, sorry, mate. You're going to go uncredited. I'll, I'll check again in a minute. But anyway, the same bloke, he says, claimed he ran over the ghost of the landlady's dead mother. Oh, <laughs> brilliant <laughs> He hey, ran over a ghost you know your mum you know the one who died <laughs> yeah uh, I saw a ghost this. The other... <laughs> get this I saw a ghost the other day her in the car that oh, shot brilliant. I ran her over <laughs> he says he was driving down a country lane he was driving down a country lane and he claimed a ghostly figure who was the spitting image of said mother stepped out into the road he didn't have time to stop Away wait went straight through her <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mental. Well, yeah, because you can't actually run over a ghost, you can yeah. you? You can just run her through, so to yeah. speak.
3: No harm came to the ghost.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, another
3: good category we could start Have you ever attacked or assaulted a ghost? Or are you a Ghostbuster of any kind?
2: Have you fought a ghost? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oi, oi, gents. I thought I'd get in touch <clears throat> to say I was the bloke that approached Sam when he was in the pub with the two Terrace icons after oh, yeah. recording a podcast the other week. This is from Ad Undus. Um, uh, oh, his name's Jack, actually. De- people might remember that I was yeah. with Kaz Pennant and dodgy Dave Courtney in a pub in East London. Yep. And I was approached by a hunter. a hunter in the wild. Anyway, he said, I just wanted to let you know That Sam wasn't even the biggest celebrity I bumped into that afternoon.
3: Oh, that's put you in your place.
2: Who did you bump into then? Fucking Elton John? No. (laughs) The hour previous, I saw Tony Hendra, a.k.a. (laughs) Spinal Taps tour agent, getting changed in the local swimming baths.
3: But... What's he called? Ian Faith, isn't he? He's in saying... Spinal Tap.
2: Uh, he thinks that Tony Hendra is a mm. bigger celebrity than me. Uh, I dispute that.
3: Right. Tony Hendra, okay. I
2: mean, Spinal Tap's a very old film, whereas I'm extremely current and relevant. To- I'm z- Tony I'm Hendra zeitgeisty. also,
3: also helps set up National Lampoon magazine as well.
2: Yeah, well, this is all and in helped the set past. Up, helped,
3: he helps start up Spitting Image. Well,
2: I'm not saying... Well, you chi- done... I'm not saying my achievements are greater than his. I mean, look, we live in a world where you can get profile for next to nothing. I mean, at the end of the day, <sighs> someone who's just come off Love Island is more famous than Tony Hendra. Equally, someone who's just come off Love Island is probably more famous than Isaac Newton in the eyes of a lot of young people. Uh, right, doesn't okay, mean they're f- better than them.
3: F- fair enough. If if Penelope Pitstop turned up and was faced with you or Tony Hendra, who would she gravitate towards?
2: Well, me, because I'm better looking Why? than him. I'm better looking, I'm more you, charismatic. You
3: go again, you you're accusing Penelope Pittsburgh of being shallow and only interested yeah. in physical Looks. attributes.
2: Yeah. I think that, just, that would play I think it's a factor and it would play a, a, the decisive role.
3: If you bear in mind though that the original Rocky races came out in the late sixties, this was when Tony Hendra was setting up National Lampoon. Yeah. Um you know, she'll have known him from that probably from the media scene. In the US, in the early 70s. She
2: won't remember that. Anyway, this is mad. You're saying that she approaches me now as an old woman. Well, in that case, forget it. I'm not interested. No, she's timeless. She still looks the same. Right, let's carry on with what Jack says about Tony Hedra, the man who is supposedly more famous than me. So, imagine my surprise when sipping a cider and ruminating on the etiquette of walking up to a septuagenarian in his pants to compliment his work, brackets, I decided not to in the end, and wishing I'd had one of those miniature cricket bats for him to sign. His character used to carry around a cricket bat, didn't he? He did. I realised that the sound of Delaney's voice wasn't coming from my headphones, but the table of seeming head cases sat behind me. Not to try and turn your letters episode into the letters page of Viz, it basically is anyway. Well, there's no greater compliment than that. Yeah. I'm wondering, have any other hunters had a more random double whammy of pseudo-celebrity spotting?
3: Hmm.
2: Or what's the nudist you've ever seen someone you respect? <laughs> well, I respect my father... Yeah. And I've seen him nude in the showers of the swimming baths.
3: Right. Okay. Uh, I
2: haven't
3: seen anyone I respect nude. Everyone right. I've seen nude, I've disrespected.
2: The moment you see them. Yeah. It, c- it can remove a lot of respect you previously had once you see them in their naked yeah. form. Uh,
3: generally, yeah. <coughs> <laughs> uh,
2: anyway, can't wait for the uh, for the other podcast. Cheers for not mugging me for my iron filing subscriptions. I'm just fucking skint at the minute. Oh, sorry to hear that, Jack. Uh, T-T-F-N. Well, that was good. good stuff. And seeing people naked, is, like famous people naked, is a good one. I'll have to put some thoughts out. I must have seen some naked, famous people before. Um, but I'll give it some more thought and return but, uh, to it.
3: Yeah, the, the cutters can contribute to that one, I think. Yeah, uh, about, here's, one, about, here's one from, okay, from Tux. On. Tux says, uh, my mate Wabs, who was a regular listener to this day, claims that when he was younger, a teenager in the late 90s, he once threw a stone up a cow's arsehole.
2: fantastic
3: he says this claim is brought up at every drinking session get together we have and he still swears blindly it's true he once threw a stone up a cow's hole he tells us as soon as the stone left his hand the cow lifted up its tail to do a shit and the stone disappeared right up there he also claims that his cousin who none of us know was there to witness it what do you think is he chatting shite Um... That's that's one for Christopher Timothy to contemplate I think
2: yeah, because I would think that in w- Isaac Newton, if he were yeah. here today, he'd have something to say about the the, the scientific <laughs> like reality of trying to <laughs> throw a stone up a sphincter because a sphincter is designed like a tea towel holder, like yeah. to let things out but Inmit. not in. Yeah, yeah. And so can you the, reverse
3: the mechanism of the, the sphincter? Yeah, though?
2: what we're saying is he re- maybe the sphincter had opened temporarily to. Yeah defecate and yeah. that in that exact moment by sheer fluke the yeah. stone went in
3: like in star wars where they've got to get they got to shoot the the thing just at the right moment to blow up the death star
2: yeah that's it's basically like that. he was like but, luke skywalker blowing up the death star he had but, one but, shot and he got it but, but I what think the irony ass- is is that the if he if the cow was shitting it would have come straight back out again in with the shit it would have been forced back out so anyway <clears throat> Uh, interesting stuff Stuff Food for thought Food for thought there <laughs> uh, Here's one from someone called Lit About 13 years ago I was working abroad My husband at the time had a night out with my sister And her husband They all got very drunk They stopped off at a kebab shop on the way home He can't recall getting home But woke up about 4am in the back garden Couldn't find his door key He was now a stray man
3: Activate the stray man yeah.
2: He recalls crawling round the corner to my sister's house to get a spare key off them. He threw stones at their bedroom window. I love the throwing stones at the window has just become such a staple of any stray man story. Yeah. Um, his next memory is waking up in the house at 7am. So he assumed they must have given him a key. Although when discussing it later, neither my sister nor her husband had any re- recollection of being awoken. Getting up or seeing him in the middle of the night. That's interesting. So somehow he's managed to break in. When he woke up, the back door was wide open, so he went outside to find his credit card and wallet scattered along the drive. He retrieved them and then <laughs> saw... This is the best bit. Then he saw his kebab was sitting on the doorstep in its unopened polystyrene case. So he picked it up and ate it for his breakfast oh. before retiring to bed. He was, and probably still is, a prolific stray man. Mm, there you
3: go. I I think some of these stray men stories are... Not as good as what we want because they're not that stray. It's kind of I couldn't get in the house, so I slept I got in the garage. Out. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like I got if, locked out. Stories aren't good enough.
2: Yeah, if you get locked out, that's not good enough at all, is it? We need I mean, we
3: need some kind of a timeline, uh, some kind of adventure and escapade, if you like. Uh, yeah, not even just, if I slept in even the shed.
2: if it's just as trivial as a man stealing your cup of drink in a McDonald's in London.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: or you. Befriending some school children and pretending to their dad that you also were a school child.
3: Yeah. The the one that's acceptable just borderline is the one where the fella slept underneath next door's car because he'd left Yeah. He'd left the boundaries of his own home. Yeah. But if you just sleep in your own garage and then end up back in the house again, that's that's not good enough. Yeah. So try harder, please, stray men. Do you want Anyone to- can be anyone can be a stray man, but not anyone can be a stray man, do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it can happen to anyone, but a lot of it is when you find yourself in a potentially stray situation, how you react.
3: Yeah. how just stray because you you're locked, go?
2: Just because you're locked out doesn't mean you're an official stray man. <clears throat> no. Okay. Um, before we go, I'll give you a little bit more Archie Buchanan update. Okay. Archie Buchanan was my mum's boyfriend in the 80s. He, mo- he was the milkman. He was from Edinburgh. He looked sort of like Terry McDermott or ronald mcdonald he had a (laughs) moustache and a big bubble perm and he although the fact that he was when during the time he lived with us and we knew him he was a minicab driver and then a milkman he claimed that he had been a professional footballer for hibernian it was hard to check out lies because there wasn't the internet yeah, I did find years later that there was a Archie Buchanan who'd played for Hibernian, but that had been in the 1930s, which made me think that he may have stolen the dead man's identity.
3: Yeah, or he was a time traveller.
2: Anyway, I told the stories about his lies and him making us watch golf, and there's loads of other ones. But someone asked me, I think on Twitter, w- whether he was still around or what had happened to him. Mm. Well, I got two stories. One is is that. When my dad used to come round to pick me up at the weekend, you know, to take me out like stray dads do. um, Archie was, for some reason, terrified of him. Uh, Just never wanted to encounter my dad ever. Didn't want to have any sort of dealings (laughs) with him at all. Right. I don't think, as far as I know, my dad had any problem. As, As a matter of fact, my dad should have had more of a problem with him than he did. Because yeah. it's like, it, this man, this milkman should not have been, but he was an alcoholic milkman. He shouldn't have been fucking living with us. But my dad, whatever, didn't, thought, oh, well, I don't want to, like, kick off, right? He would run upstairs. As soon as there was a knock at the door, and I went, oh, that that's my dad. He would jump out of his fucking seat, his position on sofa, <laughs> and fucking charge it up there. he move like, you know, for a lazy man, it was like he was an Olympic athlete. <laughs> And he'd hide. I don't know where. I think he'd go, like, properly hide, like in the airing cupboard or something. (laughs) So, anyway, it wasn't like my dad was going to come in. So I go, Where is he? Where is he? I know (laughs) he's here. Yeah, I can smell milk. (laughs) Right. But so we all found this quite funny. And one time, my dad was dropping me home after taking me out for the day. Who knows where? Natural History Museum, maybe? McDonald's, so, somewhere, hopefully.
3: Somewhere enriching and educational. Yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, we came back, and as we pulled up just by my mum's house, we were walking around the corner. And my dad had asked a couple of gentle questions, like, "Oh, so uh, what's Archie like? Is, is he all right? <laughs> Are you happy? Is he nice? Da, da, da. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's really nice, because I was a bit too young to realise what a stupid cunt he was. Like, my yeah. brothers, who were older than me, were like, fuck me. Well, one of my brothers actually moved out. And uh, he literally just, he took one look at this bloke on the day he first came round and just <laughs> went, ta-da. He literally just went, ta-da. And he moved Fuck out, this. moved in with my dad. He went, no thanks. I'm <laughs> off. See ya. Right? <laughs> um, actually, that's a funny story as well, because he said that we came home and there was this fucking dickhead, this Scottish bloke who looked like two at Dermot. And what made it worse was, he was wearing his best shirt, my brother's best shirt. And my Ooh. brother went to my mum and he went, oh, hello, you must be, how are you doing? He shook hands and went off somewhere. And my, my brother went, who the fuck's that? And she went, oh, it's Archie. He's my friend. He's just going to be staying for a few nights. And my brother uh. went, is that my fucking shirt he's wearing? And, she went, and she, got the she went, well, yes, he just needed a clean shirt. So I said he could borrow that. And he went, it's my best fucking shirt. Do you know what? Fuck this, I'm going. Bye. <laughs> and he moved out. Right? Never came back. Anyway, we're walking around the corner and I've gone and Archie is just coming out of the house off down the pub, right? Right. You, you know, sort of newspaper rolled up under his arm, all yeah. pleased with himself. Yeah. His grey leather slip-on shoes on, the best ones. Hey, that'll be me off to the pub. <laughs> For the night with the lads, get in there, you beauty, right? And as he's come out, we've come round the corner, and I've gone to my dad, oh, look, there's Archie. And I'm sort of naively excited that the two men can meet, right? Yeah. I thought, oh, it'd be great. They can meet each other. And my dad can see how interesting Archie is with all his stories about playing Verburnian, right? (laughs) And Archie has fucking leapt behind a car and (laughs) squatted down. And my dad's going... What are you talking about? Where's Archie? And I go, there he is. Oh, he's just gone behind that car. And Archie's literally peeking out and going to me, go on, fuck off, fuck off, and gesturing (laughs) for me to go away. But I'm not sort of picking up. and I go, Archie, what are you doing? you have being silly. And Archie was crouched down on his haunches, like squat down, but shuffling around the car. So every time we walked around one side of the car, he was walking around the other. In the end, of course, my dad realised he could see him and he knew yeah. what was happening, but he quite rightly <clears throat> thought, this is so fucking undignified and embarrassing for this retreat. Cunt. I'm just going to pretend I haven't seen him because yeah. if I walk round and literally stand over him and he is there with his newspaper squatted down on his haunches <laughs> behind a Vauxhall Cavalier just because he can't fucking handle talking to me...
3: Back. I mean, yeah. at, at one point before your dad had seen him, your dad could have been thinking that you'd he'd, you'd replaced him with an invisible character. Yeah, that only kids you could do, see do that. Yeah, an invisible new dad. I've got a new dad now. There's Archie. No he's Archie, over there. He used to play for Burnie, and he's <laughs> over there next to that car. I can't <laughs> <Yeah>. see anybody.
2: <laughs> My dad's like fucking hell. I've been knocking round every Saturday for the last year. And I've never once seen this fucking Archie character <laughs> that you've been going on about. No one else mentions him apart from you, and now you reckon you're seeing him in the street when there's no one there. But maybe I did imagine Archie. No, I didn't, because my brother basically anyway, in the end, someone asked me on Twitter what happened to him in the end?" Well, what happened in the end was one of my brothers had left school and got a job as a postman at post office, so he was working shifts, and the other and Archie was working as a milkman. And he was working early shifts as well. So, the two, so we had these two people in our house, milkman and postman. Probably mm. there's a historic beef like there is between poli- be. police yeah. and firemen. So yeah. that was always going to be problematic. And my brother would come home from doing like an all-nighter at the so- sorting office and he would be in a really bad mood. And sometimes their paths would cross because like, you know, their shifts had ended at the same time. And my brother came in and he said he was he'd been re- he was only sixteen and he was really looking forward to some Raspberry Ripple ice cream that he had in the freezer, <laughs> right? And he said he'd be you know when you have got something in your head, he'd been really thinking about it on his motorbike all the way home, right? Because yeah. he, he worked in the centre of town at the sorting office. And he was like, I can't fucking ice wait. Cream, get, ice cream, ice I can't cream. I fucking wait to get home and have that raspberry ripple. Oh, that's oh, what's got me through the whole shit, the raspberry <laughs> ripple. He said he's got in Right. He's in those archies in the front room, right, no cuz he way. can smell the cigarette smoke. He's gone to the free. he's gone straight no, to the freezer. No. No. And the and the raspberry ripple's gone, right? No. And the empty tub is in the bin. So my brother's fucking walked in and he's gone, "Where the fuck is my raspberry ripple ice cream?" And Archie's looked at him with half a grin and went, "Raspberry ripple what? I've no idea what you're talking about, son." And my brother's gone I can fucking see it in your moustache, you cunt. <laughs> and he had all the fucking... He had this big moustache, and there was a fucking line of Arsby ripple ice cream along it, all caught in it, right? And he's gone, I don't know what you're talking about. So my brother, this, this argument's carried on into the kitchen. He sort of dragged Archie into the kitchen, said, look, there's the fucking empty tub. Anyway, he's ended up pulling a fucking carving knife on him. He's pulled one of my Whoa. mum's carving knives out. And he's come over some raspberry ripple ice cream, he's, and he's only sixteen. Archie was probably in his thirties or something. He's gone. I'm going to fucking. I'm going to kill you over this ice cream. <laughs> so Archie, who was like a man, my brother said, "The boy." I mean, Archie gave him a whack and managed to disarm him. <laughs> uh, but then he fled. He fled the house. Right. W- once he'd punched my brother, which I kind of understand because he was defending himself. Yeah. Uh, but then he thought, well, I've got to get out of here. So yeah. he dropped the knife, did the off, and we never saw him again. And it was all over some ice cream. He had a cushy life at hours. Yeah. He could still be there to this day, perhaps. But He got cocky. He got cocky. He ate someone else's raspberry apple ice cream, and he had, and, and he, was, and he just had to do a run. <laughs> Who knows where he went? <laughs> It's a shame. I don't know whether my mum thought it was love or what, but mm. she must have learned eventually that it couldn't have been. Because These things
3: happen for a reason, though. It's in the cosmos and that, isn't it. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Chill, no.
2: I think it was for the best. I think probably... everyone was better off for it. So that was the end yeah. of Archie. But there are other stories from our time when he was with us, which I will perhaps fill people in on another week.
3: I'm sure you should. Mm. All right, that's it from this deep delve into the mailbag and other things. <laughs> uh, we've had wanking, we've had magnets, we've had Isaac Newton, uh, we've had raspberry <laughs> rup- ice cream in a moustache of, of a drunk Scotsman.
2: And the Queen at the and New And the dead. Queen.
3: Yeah, God, was that this episode? It seems like so long ago.
2: Long episode, this.
3: Right, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with a brand new Keegan if you are an Iron Filing subscriber. If you are not, you'll get last week's stale, mouldy old Keegan episode which the subscribers have been enjoying now for a week. Mm. It's up to you, how you live your life.
2: If you want to live like a cunt, live like a cunt. Yeah, fuck you. I'll leave you with that thought. Bye-bye. TTFN.